recorded during the Plague Year 2020. This is the Andromeda Minute. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we go over one minute of Robert Wise's all-too-timely 1971 techno-thriller, The Andromeda Strain. One minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm the emergency substitute co-host, Nancy O'Kane, of absolutely no website at all. Ah, uh, well, you've been part of all these websites for many, many years. So anyway, this thank you for... This is true. I'm, I'm a participating guest on most of them. Yeah, reluctant participating guest. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Under duress, you're watching this movie. But how did you feel about this movie in general? Did you like it? I liked the ideas behind it. I liked the concept, but the movie itself just dragged on forever. Well, at least for two hours and ten minutes. But uh, mm-hmm. we get you all the way to minute 94 now. And we're watching, we're watching the backs of people working with a vacuum pump, and they're going to look at a, an alien microbe. Yes, we, we spend a lot of this movie looking at the backs of people working on things. Yeah, it gives you the feeling that you're, you're watching over their shoulder. So, okay. You know, and don't, don't ask any questions, and they'll let, you, they'll let you stay if you don't ask any questions. <laughs> it's, all, it's all very technical. Wow. And you, you used to work with scientists, I know, in your secret government lab. I did, absolutely. I've had actually two different jobs where I worked at secret government labs, and I worked with a lot of PhDs and scientists, and they were very smart people and very lacking in social skills. So the the characters in this movie seem realistic. So they're all they're all cranky, and they <laughs> they instantly have to address people as you're no, you don't know what you're talking about. Is that exactly you... yes? Nobody knows what they're talking about except them because that's their field of specialty. Wow. But you had to type up all their stuff. I did. So, and you had to use the special the special uh, type balls. Oh, at one point, yes. I had, no, it wasn't even the type balls. I had um, an IBM, I don't remember the name of it, but it had the removable keys, one key at a time. Was it the executive? Yes. Yeah. I had an IBM executive, and we had a special board with nails pounded into it that the keys hung from. And if you had to type an equation, you'd remove the regular key from your typewriter. Like, you'd remove the number 7, and you'd put in the one that was half of a Greek letter and type that. And then you'd remove the number 8, and you'd put the other half of the Greek letter and type that. It was incredibly time-consuming. Wow. This was this was back in the dark ages before there were word processors. And you had to do that off of, like, handwritten scratch notes and... Uh, my guys were actually pretty good. I, although to this day I put a line through my seven because that's what all my scientists did. Most of them were from Germany. Ah. <laughs> and we're on the moon today, anyway. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Um, a d- different generation of yeah. from Germany. <laughs> my, my guys were a little too young for any of that. Yeah. Not the wrong, but they were more like the Adenauer stage. So. Uh, if, if I knew what you were talking about, I'd agree with you. Uh, West. They were West German, at least. That you knew of, um, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. So we get another another random uh, announcement. I, there's all these technical announcements that mean absolutely nothing, but they sound very good. He said num- the woman says number four Charlie Hatch shows conditioned blue alter responsivity characteristics until you get conditioned green. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's good. <laughs> Why it has to be announced over the loudspeakers when they all have video phones and things and they can do it point to point. Um, I, I guess everybody that's on the floor should be doing something when they're not carefully. Yeah, they're all the thing that I always wondered about with this overhead paging was they're all working on super technical, you know, fine motor control kind of things where they're trying to slice little pieces off of a, off of a rock. Yeah. 
and uh, <laughs> suddenly saying, you know, we have a there's a, a Chevy Impala parked in the <laughs> in the fire zone. Could you come up to level one and move it? You know, that kind of thing. No, I, I think it would work the other way around. They're so used to that be interrupting them that they don't pay the slightest bit of attention to it. And if it yeah. ever is something important that they need to know, they're not going to hear it. Yeah, it's just it, it's like the bell on the uh, on the teletype machine with a piece of paper. Unless there's <laughs> something warning you, you just you, you have to just filter it out. It's all one big cocktail party effect. Ah, wow. Well, we're watching uh, we're watching my favorite character, Doctor Levitt. She's uh, scraping little pieces off of something in a vacuum chamber, and we're getting a we're getting a little hint of foreshadowing. That, oh, uh, when she stares at the blinky lights, yes. Yeah, yeah, and here she's just trying to avoid looking at the blinky lights, and mm-hmm. Dr. Stone is looking at her and trying to figure out what's going on. You know, it's just, why is she uh, being this way? Of course, if you had to stare into a bright light, I don't think, you know, your your natural inclination would be to squint. I think so, yeah. Yeah, uh, especially when you've got four guys impatiently waiting for you to get your job done. So, well, she's pretty good at handling those four guys, though. She yeah. can get even crankier than they can. So. Yeah, she she can she can really crank up the crank. Uh, but she gets it all done, and then they look at their uh, they look at their video monitors, and it shows them that the uh, the rock is made out of hydrogen and carbon and oxygen and sulfur and silicon. So that means it's a it's a rock, but it's I've not. Heard, a, I've heard all of those words. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's got silicon in it, so that means that you know, like sand on on Earth is, uh, sil- is a silicate of some kind. So it it seems to be some kind of a rock. But uh, Stone says it's more like plastic. Um, I don't know. I, I'm believing him. He's the scientist. Yeah, I, I just I don't know how much sulfur there is in uh, in plastic, but uh, I'm will I'm willing to believe him. Plastic's been around with us for hundreds of years in some form or another. I mean, we had. Uh, we were talking about this before the show started about bakelite. Yeah, so so bakelite is one type of plastic. I, although I've been looking at the chemical formula, not that I know these things, but I just look at you know. Thanks, thanks. Thankfully, Google's a big a big help on doing shows like this. And uh, bakelite, the, the chemical formula is C six H six O chained with C H two O. So it's it's a carb, it's a hydrocarbon and a carbon carbon and water um but i don't see any sulfur or silicon i don't know what he's talking about with plastic of course it might be a different kind of plastic but uh that's the the original the original plastic was known as bakelite or now let me see if i can say this right the first time polyoxybenzylmethylenglycolaanylhydride no wonder they came up with a nickname for it yeah bakelite well it's named after a guy named leo bakeland so he came up with Bakelite. <laughs> and then he built a machine that would make Bakelite, and he called it the Bakelizer. I, w- well, I would have done the same thing. Yes, this has been Bakelite. Unless we call it maybe Bakey McBakerizer or something. Yeah, like yeah. It's a, great, it's a great thing. But he came up with uh, stuff like uh, – it's, it's all made out of different variables of uh, phenol and formaldehyde. When they mix it together and heat it, you wind up with this plastic – that you can make into just about anything. It wasn't, you know, it was it was insulated, so it, it was used for things like uh, insulators in the walls. Those, um, what is it, post and tu- post and tube. Some of those were made out of bakelite because they yeah. were, they weren't conductive. And now, uh, what, what were the the women's dresser sets with the hairbrush and the mirror? Yeah, there was was that bakelite. That was bakelite. Yeah. Okay, and, I've, uh, I've seen those. 
they also there's there's some versions of that where they took they took that rosin that the, the bakelite rosin while it was still you know well, it hadn't set yet they would um blast it into wood so you could have a wooden handle with bakelite in it that would make it even tougher so a lot of those had a mixture of bakelite and wood and, um, so, so now in the movie, we're thinking that the mysterious substance might be something like that. Yeah, like a really big hairbrush from outer space. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, so. At least that's what uh, that's what Stone's thinking. It's some kind of weird, you know, hybrid of plastic and it's not it's not rock. So, um, and then we get down to the the green thing, which is uh, it's a hydrocarbon with. Uh, nitrogen and oxygen attached to it which they you know as he said they're the four basic elements of life uh, hydrocarbons organic life forms are made of those four things but you and, need more than that for it to actually be life yeah yeah you've got it's got to have organizations i mean it needs it needs things like amino acids which we'll be talking about later this week but uh but yeah basically that's that's the stuff the precursors of life are those four four chemicals and uh you know, he's, uh, Levitt is, Levitt is very excited because, you know, at least they know it's, it's like life. It's, it's not, it's not something that it isn't life as we know it, or though so far, it's at least something that's similar to what's on earth, but they don't know how it works, how it, how it's alive, or is it, is it a virus? Is it a microbe? Is it, you know, what kind of creature is this thing? So, uh, yeah, she's, uh, she's very excited about that. Um, and uh, Dutton starts talking about how he would have been happier if, well, he's going to say it tomorrow, but we can mention it today, that he would have been happier if it wasn't like life because then it would be easier to explain all the weirdness that it was in reacting to uh, uh, human beings and how it killed people so fast and it didn't, didn't really act like an earth virus. Even stuff like uh, hemorrhagic fever took, you know, it took a couple of days for it to kill you. Um, with this happening in seconds, it's very weird. Right, and they and they're at this point they're trying to decide could this be an actual life form that they don't know about. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's obviously alien in origin. It doesn't doesn't come from from Earth, but maybe it's from nearby. Um, hmm. I don't know. It's it's very very peculiar. So, uh, by the way, the, <laughs> the sound of the background is two dogs being comforted with a uh, rawhide bone so if you're hearing if you're hearing noise in the background we're just trying oh, to keep our dogs happy was picking that up. oh sorry. it'll it'll pick up everything don't worry but they're they're there quietly uh we, we don't usually allow we, we don't usually allow eating during a podcast <laughs> if you got four legs you can eat on a on the show uh well and uh there yeah it's it, there really isn't that much going on with this minute except for um you know, of course, this is the this is the second appearance of um, Michael Pataki, who uh, <laughs> will bring up that you you and I are both of an age where we both watched uh, uh, Here Come the Brides, uh -huh. and uh, he was one of the one of the rivals. I think he was he was basically Bobby Sherman's rival. He he might have been. To be honest, I was so busy watching the Bobby Sherman show that I didn't care about any of the extra characters that were in it. I was just watching him. And was occasionally, it? was it David Soul was the blonde one? Yeah, David Soul was the blonde one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a real Davy and Mickey kind of thing. You know, when you watch the monkeys, you had to decide, did you like Davy better or did you like Mickey better? Well, on Here Come the Brides, you either like Bobby Sherman or you like David Soul. You, you yeah, Jane, like them both. 
Jeremy or Joshua. So. Oh. Wow, I remember Jeremy. I never could have come up with Joshua's name. Good job. Uh, well, and, well. you know, and it's funny because looking back at pictures from the show now, of course, the one that I'm, well, the one that I think is the best looking and the most attractive is Robert Brown. Yeah, <laughs> he was like yeah, somebody's grandpa at the time, right? Exactly. At the time, he was the old man who would ever be interested in him. And now I look at him and I go, oh, that's a handsome kind of guy. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, so it's it's a, a different world. I mean, there were the... Different. There weren't that many things to watch, but, uh, and they were, I mean, they were fellow Massachusettsians like you were because they came from, uh, didn't they come from Massachusetts? They I, or may have. They were I, like I, a whale. It, it's it's a lot like, um, um, what's called the Bonanza with the cart rates because uh, uh-huh. Lauren Green was originally like a whaler or something. He came from a whaling family. and I think That's right. Yeah, it was a whaling ship that they sailed there. Now, I don't remember where they sailed from. But yeah, all the all the girls just got on board the ship and said goodbye to their previous lives and went to meet a bunch of lumber lumberjacks. Yeah, and this was all, this was all going on like right after. Well, this this ended uh, the year before, so they would. Yeah, Michael Michael Pataki found found a place to land out of uh, out of this, and uh, I don't think he was a regular. I think he was like a semi. You know, he was like repeating yeah, a recurring I, character. I vaguely remember him as a character, but not not too many details about him. Like I yeah. say, I, I had eyes only for one man at that time. Yeah, he was always he was always working with um um I don't remember his name, but it was you know Sarek, Mark Leonard was Mark Leonard, yes. Yeah, Mark <laughs> Leonard was the the guy that owned the town and had to. Uh, I, yes, I don't. He was. He was you know, twirling his mustache and tying girls to railroad tracks and just waiting for the mortgage to come due. He was, he was, the, he needed a tall black hat. Yeah. He, if, I mean, the, the whole, I know this is not, <laughs> I know this isn't about Andromeda, but it was, it was of the time. Uh, if I remember correctly, the, the deal was that they were going to bring marriageable women to Seattle. Yes. And they had to stay for a whole year mm-hmm. or, the guy that got the women back would have to get the money or would have to pay back the guy that ran the sawmill. And that was Mark Leonard. Right. And then Mark Leonard was always trying to get the girls to go home Mm -hmm. so that, uh, he, he didn't have, he'd get paid back by, um, uh, I don't remember what the dad's name was. (laughs) They're all the, the, it's Jeremy and Joshua's dad or brother, older brother. Right. It's there. There were three brothers. Yes, and, Robert Brown. Um, I, did it start with a J? J? Yeah, they were like, yeah, it was Jason. Jason, Jeremy, okay. and Joshua. <laughs> there you go. Okay, the both. Oh, mm. I see. Okay. Um, yeah, so they were, yeah, and they had a, I know this has nothing to do with the Andromeda stream, but it's it's good remember, remembering. And they were just, they'd always get, it was, it was just like, it was like Bonanza except with women. Yes. And they were, and uh, Bobby well, Sherman with the, with the same women week after week, as opposed to Bonanza, where yeah. there was always they were coming and going. Yeah, and there were two little Joes and no Haas. Oh no, there was a Haas. Bo Swenson wasn't he like the Haas character? He was like the big Swede or something. I remember. Yeah, uh, I, you're waking I should, up all these neurons that were asleep in my brain. Yes, I remember that now. I should study all these things before I start a show. But yeah, <laughs> oh, it was not as much fun. There were two little, yeah, there were two little Joes, and, and Bo Svensson was like the host, but he wasn't their family. He was like the big Swede, and uh, they had yeah. And the whole the whole point of it was when was um, 
Bridget Hanley. Oh, Bridget, Bridget Hanley. Hanley. <gasps> That's yeah. why you watch the show. Yeah, I watched Bridget Hanley. It was Bridget Hanley and all those other people that were on Bridget Hanley's show. Big old redhead. You know me and Strawberry Blondes. But uh, <laughs> anyway, that was, yeah, it was a, it, and it was always trying to be like hip and now. There were always things about how, you know, they were mistreating the uh, the Shoshone Indians and stuff. And mm. he and, and the boys were going to stop, uh, we're going to stop uh, raids on Indian villages, and I, oh, I, I couldn't. It just got very far afield from Seven Brides from for Seven Brothers kind of an idea. Well, you know, they set up the initial premise, and it was clever, but you couldn't keep repeating the same thing week after week. So they had to bring in outside influences. Yeah, mostly people that people that uh, Bobby Sherman and David Soul could uh, punch. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> uh. Yeah, I'm sure. It was Joan, Bl- Joan Blondell. Joan Blondell yes. ran the. She ran the saloon, mm-hmm. and she was the Miss Kitty of the show. Yeah, yeah, and she was always having to break up fights. They were wrestling in her bar and stuff, and then. And I think she chaperoned the girls too. Yeah, but yeah, that's right. And what was the name of? What was the name of Bridget Hanley's friend who was kind of? She was kind of plain, and. I... It was like remember. Becky or Biddy or something like that. Biddy, Biddy sounds right. I think. Biddy. Wow, I I can't believe you remember so much about this show that I don't remember. When I I was glued to the television once a week watching it, I I memorized everything that happened, but it's all fallen out of my brain. And I don't You've still got it in yours. Do they ever finish the show? I don't know if they ever finished. I don't think so. They, Shows just, didn't do that in those days. They never did have concluding episodes. It's just uh, one day yeah, it just, stopped. Just the. Uh, the Fugitive, I think, is the only one that actually finished. Yeah, and that was a big deal when they did that. Everybody watched it, and it was breathtaking. It was they were going to wrap up the story of a television series. Yeah. Um, well, and, you know, that's well, we're 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 a little bit early on this movie, but I this <laughs> the when we get when we get to the like minute one thirty of this movie, I think it just kind of like yeah, and that, and then we fix it all, and it's all better. So that that's that's how the wrap up on this felt like the wrap up on uh, if, if they want to wrap up a series if, if they had a chance to do a last episode that's how they'd wrap it up it's like, and we fixed it all or they got married at the end um wow well anyway I'm, this was a very a very narrow focused uh or was it fo- a very unfocused <laughs> episode um but we will be we'll be back more there's more things to talk about in as as the week goes on and i know i know you'll try and i appreciate your being here when when other guests are in here it's great having you on it's great even when there are guests and we can push them off and get you on. Yes, and it's even greater when the dogs are already asleep for the night. <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, hopefully, try. yes. But we'll, we'll record the next one when the dogs are out of town or something. We'll okay, figure it send, out send them to the kennel. Sorry, yes. mommy's got podcasting to do. Yes. You don't have anything to plug, I, or do you? I don't know. Um, not really. Nope. Okay. Well, <laughs> thanks for this attenuated episode. But we'll return on, on Wednesday. So anyway, folks, thanks for listening uh, to the show as we've gone far afield. But, you know, old people need to talk about stuff that they remember from their childhoods. And this is is an important therapy session for all of us. Uh, Wow. Well, we will. If you would like to talk about Here Come the Brides or any other ABC television shows from the uh, mid 60s, we'd be happy to hear from you on any of our social media. Go to uh, Project Wildfire on Facebook or Andromeda Minute on Twitter. Uh, Love to hear your stories. Uh, We'll return on Wednesday. So in the meantime, please, uh, the three things we do all the time to get rid of this plague as fast as possible is stay six feet apart, wear a mask, and please wash your hands for at least 20 seconds. And If everybody would do that for just a while longer, we can get rid of 
this stuff and get back to seeing each other. Uh, so anyway, we'll see you here next time on the Andromeda Minute. Very flattering. We don't know much more than when we got here.